Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss plushcare.com slash weight loss Hello and welcome to Look Sports Media Championship Podcast today with myself Lewis and I'm joined again by Owen. How are you doing pal? Not bad, not bad at all. Good weekend uh, so far. Obviously this is the league one with with my team Stevenage, and then obviously some brilliant championship action, which I which I watched the entire weekend. It was a lot of games on Sky, so good amount of what footage to watch. And then yeah, so I had to talk with them all today. Yeah, certainly. So also got Chris back on the championship pod. How are you doing, Paul? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, my team had a dreaded weekend in League One, a very unfortunate, but yeah. Yeah, you could always expect your your team to let you down, but we'll certainly uplift that with a decent bit of second tier chat today and of course we're in the midst of January as well so it only makes sense to start with a little bit of transfer news going first to Sunderland whose keeper could possibly on, be on his way out. Uh, Liverpool reportedly lined up a move for Sunderland keeper Anthony Patterson. 23 year old shot stopper has managed eight clean sheets this season and has played every single minute for the Black Counts championship season. If he is to move on uh, Owen what sort of fee do you think this would demand? Do you believe Sunderland could be looking at a potential eight-figure sum here? Yeah, I think it should be ten mil plus. I, I think you look at look at you look at his age. You look at him sort of playing quite well for a side high up in the championship, and uh, some like especially in that FA Cup game. Considering Sunderland had a quite a poor one, he he had a good effort against a top side at the moment in Newcastle United. So. I think 10 mil plus could, could be the solution. They'll know Liverpool have got the money too, so they'll try and push them as much as they can. But if I was Patterson, I don't know if you would need, obviously, because if you go to Liverpool, you're probably going to be third choice with Alisson and Kalliher. So it might be a case of him being signed and then maybe loaned back to Sunderland for the rest of the season and see what goes from there. But yeah, really impressive from so far this season, just breaking through into the Sunderland first team. Yeah, certainly. Also, uh, Chris, I'm right saying that uh... An injury to Allison might have potentially sparked this potential move of Liverpool. Uh, Interested in the young player. It was Edison who was injured for City at the weekend, but I then think my bad. that <laughs> might have. I think with the timing of it, that might have sort of opened up some eyes at Liverpool. Um, I don't think Liverpool didn't play at the weekend. I don't think did they? No, winter uh, breaks, so they're um, next. They're Bournemouth this weekend. I think. Yeah. Um, 
So I think what observing that, seeing that happen, they might have opened their eyes a bit, tried to get a decent backup option in. Don't think Keller has a bad goalkeeper, but I think they'll definitely want a better option than him between the sticks. Yeah, certainly so. But um, of course, this is a a crucial time in Anthony Patterson's career. Coming to you, Owen, is he the sort of player who would want to go to Liverpool and most likely sit on the bench and just wait as long as possible for a chance to get into the first team? Of course, Alisson, one of the best keepers in the league in front of him. It's going to be difficult for him to break into that, isn't it? Yeah, well, you got to look at the moment. Allison's getting into his thirties, um, but as a keeper, you know, it obviously they have a, a longer longer time span than than in their prime than than the players uh, field. So it'd be it'd be tough for him to break through. Um, yeah, I think the, the the build with it though, the the sort of law it will be that he's going to a side, you know, first in the league at the moment could be on course for maybe even a quadruple this season. I think the law of maybe playing for a, a side like the size of Liverpool, even though I'm not saying Sunderland isn't small, Sunderland, especially in the championship, one of the biggest sides there. But yeah, I think I think I think maybe the law and the money might be a bit too much for him to to decline. You you beat me to that a bit as well, saying Allison was getting into his thirties. He's thirty-one, so I mean, as, as a keeper, you've got a lot. You've obviously got a longer yeah time as, uh, but I don't actually think you have longer as a number one. Really, you look at the way. Keepers like Petr Cech came. Uh, you look at the way they went towards the end of their careers. Cech didn't really have a good last season at Arsenal. Um, we well, look, you look at people like Scott Carson, right? Like he's obviously he's gone through his his sort of trajectory. He was back up at Liverpool for a while in the early two thousands. Um, won the Champions League uh, with them. Obviously played, I think, in a quarter final against uh, Juventus. Um, obviously, he's played a lot of his trade in the championship. Um, and then now, look, he's third choice for Man City. Um, and he won a Champions League last year, the same place where he won his first. So that's where, and it, what, he's 39, 40 odd, isn't he? Has so he, has he actually played a game for City yet, though? Because I think he's played a couple. I think I think he played one against Newcastle early, early, like about maybe 2021. I think he came on in a Champions League. Um, game as well. I think he's made a couple of appearances, but obviously it's mainly uh been on the bench. Because I know in the Champions League you can you can especially in the final, I think you can field like a 11, 12 man bench and they usually put the two goalkeepers on there so they can win a medal. Um but yeah I think I think Allison maybe in the next three to four years uh, might be moved to a bit more of a backup and maybe Liverpool will be will be looking for the number one because like Chris said I don't think Kelleher is good enough to be a, a Premier League a top Premier League shot stopper. I think maybe lower Premiership, high Championship for him. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets let go, especially if Patson is signed um, uh, this summer or, or this winter, obviously. So, um, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if Keller can go to. I think. I think there'll be there'll be some sides, especially in the Championship, that will be crying out for a keeper next year. Um, don't know the specifics of who who really would need one, but yeah, I think I think we could see Patson in. I mean, staying on the subject of keepers who haven't really lived up to their transfer, whatever, um, Ron Arson at Arsenal is one who I actually yeah. completely forgot was still on the books there, but I'm pretty sure I saw him suggested that he, yeah, he's gone to Cardiff. Yeah. 
Um, Didn't he have that game against uh, Man City in the Carabao Cup that went absolutely like? Didn't they, didn't they play someone in the Carabao Cup? Or it might not have been City, but it might be like a a side like maybe West Ham maybe this year where he had a bit of a stinker. Um, for Cardiff or Arsenal? Arsenal. Uh, the West Ham met, uh, absolute disaster of a game was yeah Ramsdale. Oh, was it Ramsdale? Oh, that was Ramsdale. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I know when Arsenal's played a couple of times for Arsenal. I just don't know. Obviously, if there's been a lot. Um, I'm not sure when he actually went to Cardiff. He's played yeah. six games for them though. So it must be August. Yeah. Um, but I think if Patterson did go to Liverpool, there might be some kind of pressure on him, really, because I think coming from Sunderland, we know we have all know the last goalkeeper who came out of Sunderland to a Premier League move went to the other side of Merseyside. Yeah. So I think some people might have too high expectations of him with how Pickford's sort of gone and yeah. people might expect Patterson to emulate Pickford and I don't see that happening really. Well, I was just thinking actually, could Kelly go in the other direction if, Pat- if Patterson does go to Liverpool? Could you maybe see Liverpool maybe thinking that if Calera isn't good enough, maybe moving him on? I don't see that being part of a deal that Sunderland would accept, really. Um, I just don't think he'd do any good to their playoff campaign that they're in currently. Yeah. And I think they'd rather take a loan back of Patterson if Liverpool aren't going to play him. Yeah, focusing on that, Chris, of course... um... You mentioned Jordan Pickford before, and I do feel like Anthony Patterson is the first keeper I've had ever since him that has shown that he could be Prem quality, top Prem quality, maybe even potentially England at some point in his career. But how much of a blow will this be to Sunderland, focusing on them, with their bid to reach the playoffs? I mean, this is a keeper that's played every single minute for them in in a season in the Championship. And if he is to go, how are they going to replace that? Yeah, I I don't see them replacing someone like Patterson either. It'd be some some players at clubs would just be impossible to replace, really. And Patterson would certainly be a case of that at Sunderland. I think I don't think they could attract another keeper of his quality, really. But yeah, I don't think so either. Like you said, especially in January, you're not really going to get much option. You're either going to have to pay over the odds or go for someone that's not in favour at a club, aren't you? So, yeah, there's no chance. Unless they get lucky, there's no chance I could see them getting anyone that worthy of, of, of replacing the Patterson. I think their best bet would be, if Liverpool do get him, of asking for a loan back, which I, I, I could see Liverpool doing. Yeah, that certainly would be a bit of an interesting uh, turn of events. But either way, if uh, Patterson does go out the exit, it'll be tough for Sutherland fans to swallow. Uh, another... Championship player that could potentially be on his way out in this January transfer window. It's Joe Gelhart from Leeds. Uh, there's several clubs uh, interested, reportedly, including West Brom. I feel like this one, it's a bit of a strange one. It's clear that Gelhart has that quality for the championship, but just can't manage to get his name on the team sheet of what undoubtedly is a Premier League level attack. And uh, I'll come to you, Owen. Bar Leeds, yeah. of course, and Southampton, as well as Leicester. Are there any championship teams that would turn down the prospect of Gelhart leading the line for them? Not at all. I think, like you said, it, it's it's just 
and I think any other team in the championship, and he starts for them. He starts for for that for anyone but Leeds at the moment. It's just it's just a thing with Leeds that that attack shouldn't be playing Premiership. Uh, shouldn't be playing anything but Premiership football. It's obviously last year it was their defence that that sort of stopped any chance of of them making it. And I see Joel Goldhart probably playing in the Premiership in a couple of years' time. He just needs the game time. And like you said, I, I don't know why I always see him as a Sunderland player. I don't know why. I just see him as someone who could really work in a Sunderland team um, if they're own for him. Um, but like I say, I, I, I don't really trust Michael Beal at the moment. We'll talk about that a bit later when, when we go on to Sunderland. But um, yeah, I think I think a perfect opportunity would be to go to a West Brom, a side like full of young talent as well, um, like Brandon Thompson-Sante and, and, and people like that. Um, so I, I, I would say go to a West Brom. If I was him, West Brom. I mean, we say about his um, about him not being able to get into that Leeds team, and it's it's a massive case of he just he had a fantastic start to life at Leeds when he first came in. Um, that was in the Premier League, and he looked he looked like the next big thing when he was in the Premier League, but he just sort of fell off a bit then. And I think it's a case of confidence more than anything now. And yeah. I, I do have to agree with you. If if any other team's interested in him, we're going to be perfect for him. Uh, it's West Brom. Yeah. I've, I've also... Um, there's also been rumours, apparently, of, of Rangers and Celtic as well. Rangers and um, Celtic both won him. And that was the next thing I was going to say, was that... In terms of confidence boost, with Rangers and Celtic being locked in, if he goes to whoever, if he joins the team that end up winning the Scottish Premiership, that could be massive to his confidence, and yeah. that could help him kick on and become the player he was again. Yeah, because also like with, with Rangers or Celtic, right? That's the law of European football next season. That one of them is going to at least be in the Champions League group stages. The other ones got a chance for it and they're definitely going to be in the Europa League. So that's a really, really good opportunity for him to maybe spend a year and a half, two and a half, maybe three and a half years playing in, yes, it might not be a better league, but gaining the confidence, win trophies, win a lot of them, especially goes to one of Rangers or Celtic, they'll, lead, they'll win trophies there and have a go at Europe. I think I think that could really give him some confidence maybe then being sold to a premiership club in the net in four years when he's near going into his prime. Yeah. The only, the only issue I see for him at Leeds is I just don't see a way back into the first team for him. He's got the ability, but yeah, that, that attack is too much at Leeds. And I, I've said it so many times this season that the three teams who went down for a premier league weren't the teams who deserved to go down. And they've done re- they've all done really well to keep hold of the players yeah. that they did keep a hold of, as well as having to sell. Obviously, Leicester were never going to hold on to Madison. Southampton were never going to hold on to Ward Prowse. And it for a time it didn't look like Leeds were going to hold on to Gonanto. But um they one lost, player they lost Sincitera though. So, uh, I don't know how to say his name. Sincitera. Sincitera. He's, 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 is he still there though? Is he still on loan? Is it a loan deal with him, Bournemouth? I think it might be because I know they loaned out a lot. Because um, yeah. I know they've got Robin Koch. Robin Koch was on a loan deal, wasn't he? And then he's left permanently now. Yeah, he was out of contract this summer, so he's signed permanently. 
Well, he signed a pre-contract agreement. Oh, okay. Um, I think it was some German side, I think it was, wasn't it? Or something like that. But in terms of the players these teams kept, one player I was surprised who stayed was Adidi at Leicester. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Yeah. Obviously, he, he must love Leicester and the club and it seems to seems to work out brilliantly at the moment because obviously this weekend, maybe not perhaps, but what I mean, they're still like, what, set six, seven, eight points clear? They're, they're, they're motored at the moment. Um, and like I said, they shouldn't have gone down last year. You look at the teams, teams that were a little bit above them last year in the Premiership. Your Everton's, your Forest. At this rate, though, they're both Premier League are trying to make them go down with the... Uh, with the thing about today saying they've both been charged and could face at least a minimum of six points, of, uh, six points reduction for both, didn't they? So this stroke might be talking about both of them next season. Yeah, and uh, focusing on that uh, Leicester result, of course, they um, came away with nothing against uh, Coventry after a uh, put down to 10 men in the Midlands derby. And I think that was just one of the main talking points, that red card given to Fatawu. Uh, I'll start yeah. with you, Chris. Thoughts on this one? Was it... As cynical as the ref made it out to be, or is it another case of the refs or the rules are just massively in favour of the defender there, in favour of the attacker? Sorry, and uh, it was just it. It shouldn't have been a red. Full stop. Yeah, it wasn't a red. It, <laughs> that's all there is to say on it. Really, it wasn't a red, um, and I don't agree with a penalty call either. Um. But the fact that the referee has had two calls massively wrong in such a short space of time speaks volumes about the issues we're facing with referees currently in English football. And I really don't see how we improve on it. I don't know where it gets better, really. Yeah, I mean, focus on that um, that penalty call as well. I mean, I yeah. was looking um, under comments of uh, a video of the pen given, give, being given and some said it was never a pen, but there was also a few people saying he should have been uh, one-upped and given his marching orders. I mean, Owen, what are your thoughts on that one? Do you believe it was a pen or not? Not particularly. I don't like soft penalties at the moment. I just, I feel like, like I said, it's not just that, but it's stuff like the handball rule and it's stuff like, like stuff constitutes a penalty or not. There's so much confusion in football these days. You look at the last two in the Premier League, right, with Calvert-Lewin and the FA Cup, and um, even, sorry, Tyler Walton's obviously, obviously you would know, Lewis, um, that they're, they're both been overturned. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this Leicester one gets overturned soon. They've definitely probably, fought. I don't know if it's been confirmed they've filed an appeal or not, but I presume they will, because um, it doesn't look like a red to me either. It's very soft. Um, but that's the point. I don't think the refs know what's a red anymore. I mean, it, it's like, one of them where, sorry, but it's, it's one of them where, yeah, of course, the EFL came out a month or so ago and it got a fair bit of scrutiny, a fair bit of, um, you know, people thought it was a bit of a joke, but they came out and said that was it 85% of decisions are made correctly by EFL referees. Yeah. And then we're seeing these big red cards yeah. get overturned the day or two days after the game, which were absolutely pivotal in deciding the result in that yeah. game. Like, for example, the Tyler Morton one. Hull weren't exactly on top of Wednesday, but would we have lost 3-1 to a no. side that's second bottom in the league? I don't know. I, I mean, think it was instrumental. Also, it's not particularly great when the EFL was celebrating 85% of decisions are correct. They should, should be, be at a should yeah, be at most. Should be 100%, yeah. Yeah, or, or at the least 95%. Like, 
it's got like eighty five percent. It's not good enough. Like some of these results might decide promotion or relegation in this season. Like whole city, they're probably looking to. I know they're mid table at the moment, but you never know. They could go on a massive run end of the season, and they could be. You know what? Let's just say one point, two points off off off, off playoff spot. That's maybe going to be done to what happened that decision at Tyler, what Tyler Moore was a red card that wasn't. Because, um, like, I mean, you look at the sides whole now with, with Carvalho, um, that we might be talking about probably, because obviously that's a massive signing um, that I would like to talk about in a moment. But, um, yeah, I think I think ref decisions just need to get better because at the moment, it, it's the same in, in our league, in League One and in and, and, and League Two. Like, Chris knows some of the decisions probably Cheltenham have got. Some of the decisions Stevenage have got, like, you know, it's you know, it's clockwork when the when when every week, if we every week, Steve Evans always says there's been a decision wrong, and the amount of apologies clubs have had about decisions going wrong, not just in the Premier League, down into the National League, and some of the decisions I've seen, like that one a couple of weeks ago in the National League, where where the guy, the blokes nearly like went headfirst into a terrace. And the and the and the rest not even seen that it's ridiculous. Like, sorry for this rant. It's just it just turns my head in at the moment. I think, like Owen said, I know I I know far too well from the Arsenal side really of referee yeah. calls. I mean, how many teams could say they've conceded once from a ball being out of play this season, and it's happened twice to us. Um, but going back to the PGMO PGMOL comments, I think the thing that I find most like Owen said, these are the games that are going to decide results and Arsenal found themselves in that position with the Brentford goal last season that we got an apology for. And it's sort of like, yeah, they think they can, it, they'll just apologise and it all goes away and it's sort of like, sorry, it won't happen again. And then it happens again. Yeah. Well, you look at Liverpool, right? You, you look at that game against Spurs when realistically... They were down to nine men and and got a goal that one was a goal. That I don't know why they didn't draw the lines. And then those two red cards, some of them weren't right, like the, especially the Curtis Jones one. So like that could stop Liverpool from going unbeaten this season. Which at the end of the day, it's not like them losing a league title, but that's still major history that they could have made, which now can't happen because of the faults of the referees. At the end of the day, they're ruining results they're they're going to ruin people's careers at some points because once if someone makes a terrible challenge that the ref doesn't see or no one sees they don't give it that's ruined someone's career not to be given a punishment for it and like people's paydays and things like that it's at the end of the day it needs to do better um how i think it's howard webb who's head of the pgml he needs to do better or resign because at the end of the day you're going to ruin people's careers you're not making the refs any more some of the stuff you've been putting out and stuff like that, you like they're not going to make refs look better if they continue to do rubbish and then you back them. It's the same with these Twitter support pages. Um, I don't know if you've seen about that ref support UK. Have you seen yeah. that on Twitter? Like some of his points, especially about grassroots football, completely agree with. Some of the points I keep seeing on him on social media is ridiculous, and you're not making you're making referees more of a target. If you're going to stop making referees, why every week? Why are we talking about referees? Referees, we should never talk about football. We should want the players, the managers, the fans as well. Obviously, if they've been brilliant, but 
we shouldn't be talking about refs every week, but it seems to be the every season the talk about refs keeps going on and on and on, and it's just going to get worse. Again, I sorry think, for the rant. I think <laughs> just on what you said there, with uh, we shouldn't be talking about refs, and I think it feels like that is the problem sometimes. I feel like it's the fact that some of these referees know that it's about uh, football and sometimes it feels like refs want to make a game about them. I I understand a ref wanting to stamp their authority down, that sort of thing, but... um, You you can tell some of the refs that that love the spotlight. Like, you can tell some of them do. We've had a couple in the past couple of weeks, couple months. Went to the names because, one, I don't remember them because I try not to remember referees' names. Otherwise, it just makes me rant more. Um, but like some of the like some of the refs we've had re- like you had recently who like who, some of the cards they give out like I remember this I was talking about this in the League One podcast a few months ago the Wigan game Stevenish played the guy gave so many yellows out for no reason and I think this year the the the, the you know when they gave it at the start of the season to do with like um uh, like they they give more yellows out for the time wasting that sort of thing right. It's just given the refs more authority to do what they want. Um, this is what I mean. I think I think we should follow some. Try and get some. If you're going to stop time wasting, here's here's a lesson. See, uh, and they're, they're time they're trialing it in the MLS this year, and that's for substitutions and injuries. If someone is down for more than thirty seconds uh, for an injury, they have to be they have to be out the pitch for two minutes. If they're if they're coming off, they have to be off in I think it's thirty seconds, or the player that's coming on don't have to be there for a minute. That's a perfect way of stopping time wasting. Why don't we follow that? If it goes well in the MLS, follow that because it will make football so much more free and, and flowing, and stops the ref having to stop the game every time for for stupid things and carding everyone. Going back to. Um what Lewis said about people calling for a red card for the penalty as well. Yeah. I don't think... Is it clear denial of a goal-scoring opportunity? It's double jeopardy, isn't it? Yeah, you can't be sent off for a penalty. You can't be sent off for a penalty unless it's absolute clear denial, can you? Yeah. Yeah, like unless unless it's an open net, I don't Mm. think... Especially if it's outside the box... I think it's a yellow. I think it's a red because if he's one on one with the keeper, if it's outside the box, but if it's inside the box, I don't think it's a red because it's double jeopardy. I might be completely wrong, but I think that's what happens because obviously they don't want to punish. So they don't like doing double jeopardy, don't they? Because they don't, you don't want to send someone off and give a penalty unless like he's clearly done something. He's done something like twice, like a bad challenge and a denial. Um. But yeah, um, I'm not really sure if it's clear denial. So I, I wouldn't agree with it being a red. Yeah, I feel, I feel like you yeah, echo most people's thoughts on that one, to be honest. It was it was merely the odd few uh, that said it could have potentially been a red. But in my personal opinion, I don't agree. But uh, aside from the endless uh, controversial referee, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Decisions. The wind commentary puts them in top six for the first time in the season. I'll come to you, Owen. Uh just how sensational have they been as of recent? And it really does feel like they're now one of the favourites to implement their position in that top six. Yeah, Coventry have just, just said gone on an amazing run of recent, and it's great to see because you like you say, Coventry have, are a top side, and and um, they've got to be honest, they've got a, a bit of a, a a kind run coming up soon as well, which could be them moving into like uh, third, fourth, and. If, 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 like I say, if Leicester, hopefully for them, it's just a blip. But if, if he continues, they could really, and Ipswich as well, they could maybe push for, for automatics this year. They can do the run they're doing. They've got the like, they've got Sheffield Wednesday uh, this weekend away. So again, they really should be winning. Um, then they've got, actually got them again the next week in the FA Cup, um, followed by a Tuesday night fixture uh, at home to Bristol City to end out the month. Then, then Norwich. Uh, got Norwich away and then and then Millwall at home, and then they've got Plymouth away. So the next sort of month are games they should win. So realistically, I could see them pushing for autos by March. I just want to say as well is my pick for automatics are actually at the moment going off form Southampton. Yeah, they're too. They're brilliant at the moment. Because Ipswich are starting to fall off, aren't they? Ipswich, I think the Ipswich, yeah, it's starting to catch up with them. But looking at Southampton, um, they've scored over 10 goals in their last four, four games now. Uh, 4 0 against Wednesday at the weekend. Um, obviously, the 5 0 against Swansea after that, and then a 2 1 win over Plymouth. The only blip they've had, uh, since uh, really is the draw at Norwich. But again, I think Norwich on Friday as well showed they're sort of coming back a bit, a bit of a sore subject for you. Sorry, Lewis. Uh, but I think Norwich are starting to pick up some consistency and that is a shock. That's a shock as well, really, because feels like only a few weeks ago we were talking about the possibility of him being out at Norwich and he's completely turned it round with, without a transfer window as well. Yeah, it, and I'm sure you've uh, you've moved on to uh, Norwich, uh, Chris, for your undying love of Jonathan Rowe. Of course, he uh, bagged himself another goal in that one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it seems like everything you've been saying over the past few weeks, you were spot on. Yeah, um, wouldn't go that far, really, but things, it's certainly a strange league um, and things can turn around like, you look at what we were talking about, this title race about Leicester and Ipswich being so far gone and then it's just 
completely fell off and Southampton uh, were 10 points behind Leicester at the moment and three points behind Ipswich. So, but given that Southampton have actually lost the same amount of games as Leicester, so it could certainly be an interesting end to the season if both sides continue the form they've had recently. Yeah. Um, I also like to talk a little bit about Hull, um, Lewis, because like you say, they made some great business uh, bringing in Carvalho. Um, there has been talks about Scott Twine leaving. Uh, have you got any any sort of, because I've seen bits of it, but I've not really seen the full details. Um, and is anyone coming in, if he is leaving, is anyone coming in to replace him? Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, speaking of the devil, 21 minutes ago, Scott Twine's loan was officially ended. He's been oh. uh, recalled. I know, going honestly. Uh, he's been recalled uh, to Burnley with the imminent uh, loan or, tra- or permanent, I'm not too sure, but it's an imminent transfer to Bristol City, who would have a side that are you know, potentially going to go for the playoffs. But yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a... I don't know. I, it, I'm not yeah. gutted about it. It's one of them where he hasn't yeah. exactly set the championship alight. But I, I thought... You, you, some of your fans were dreaming of a, of a midfield three behind the striker of Philogene, Carvalho, and Twine, weren't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, and it sounds absolutely brilliant as well, doesn't it? Yeah. But... Is there anyone coming? Is anyone coming in for Scott Twine? I don't know why. I've heard rumours about Benson from Burnley as well. Uh, yeah. So Benson's one player we're keeping tabs on. Uh, initially, we were looking at Ryan Kent as well because he's. Uh, fell out of favour at Fenerbahce, and of course our owners got links exactly. with um, Turkey, etc. But yeah. um, we appear to um, have moved on from Ryan Kent, and I think we're fully focused on Manuel Benson. And if we'd kept Scott Twine, it would have been a case of us having filled all five loan slots. I believe you'll get a max of five. Yeah, I think, yeah, is it five with only a certain amount can play? Uh, or is it all five can play? Like, I'm, not, I'm not too sure, but... I believe that sort of um, tied into the fact of why uh, Twine has been let go. I mean, it's not our decision. Burnley had a recall clause and maybe yeah. they weren't entirely happy with how it was going or maybe Bristol City were offering slightly more money. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe it could also be a case of if Twine is going back, that's why they might go for Benson. They might let you have Benson on loan. That might yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. And it might be a case of Bristol City maybe not having the funds to sign Manuel Benson, he might be on a slightly heftier wage than Scott yeah. Twine. And it's also one of them where we've got uh, Ruben Vinagre on loan, who's out on it for an injury for a couple of months. And we attempted to end his loan with uh, Sporting Lisbon, but they rejected it, I believe, which is a bit, That's a bit, weird. A bit bizarre. You don't, you don't hear about that much. So unfortunately, that didn't free up a loan spot. And yeah, I feel like it's a bit bittersweet. Scott Twain moving on. Of course, he didn't get off to the best of starts, but in the past month or so, he's definitely improved. But if we're getting Manuel Benson in and replace, then it's not the end of the world. So what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Uh, Benson for, I could say Benson for Hedges there, but, but <laughs> um, Benson coming in for Twain. Uh, do you think that's a, a positive step forward for Hulk or is Scott Twain? As good as I just remember Benson and Hedges as Jordan F1 team. I'm too I'm too young to remember the, the cigarette brand. <laughs> um yeah, it's definitely a uh it's definitely an improvement getting Benson in for Twine. But 
the only thing I say on Twine, it's a strange one as well, him being on loan in the championship as well. Because I think in terms of a squad like Burnley playing in the Premier League for the first time again, he could still get in uh, to that Burnley team. But I think it's more a case of him just not being able, him not being this type of player that suits Vincent Company, I suppose. I mean, it's, yeah. we, I think we all find it a bit strange seeing Burnley play anything but 4 4 2. Um, <laughs> Burnley 4 4 2 attacking football, that's just taboo, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah where's, Mike, where's Mike Bassett when you need him? <laughs> And I think in terms of loan spells as well, mentioning about recalls, it's a strange one there as well. We've seen it feels like we've seen that far more often this season than any other season. Yeah, and I, I mean, think of a course. lot of it's down to players being underestimated. I guess is the word I'm looking for here. We've seen a lot of players get recalled and then move up a division to another loan spell. So I think a lot of clubs are underestimating their players, which yeah, as a player, I'm not sure how you'd feel about really. Yeah, I, I I'm always like I say, uh, oh, at Stevenage, we were a victim of that last year. Uh, Saxon early, brilliant defender. He he got more that called up to we got he got his loan spell terminated so he could sign for Plymouth. Um, hasn't really gone to, to to plan really for him. That happens a lot, doesn't it, with like sides moving up from League One and then moving up to the Championship uh, for loan spells and things like that. Um, but I don't know, like you're saying, I don't think, yeah, like I said, it could ruin a player's career, like a, a season. Because um, I think a lot of the time it's familiarity with, with the team. And someone like Scott Twine, for example, I think he thrives on that. I, don't, I think last year, being stop start, um, under under Vincent Company didn't work for him, and it showed. And and obviously now he's he, he's struggling a little bit at Hull, and now he's going to Bristol City to see if he can prove himself again. But I think he might do well under Liam Manning. I think I think I think his start again. Obviously that they played they they played with each other at MK Dons. Am I right in saying that? Mm-hmm. So I think maybe the familiarity of of Liam Manning could really help him. Yeah, certainly. And um, it's not the only loan signing that's happening in the Championship. Southampton are close to signing a midfielder on loan from a Premier League side, but we'll go on to that right after the break. Welcome back to Lux Sports Media Championship podcast. Uh, jumping straight back into the Championship transfer discussion. And Southampton are set to sign Bournemouth midfielder Joe Rothwell on loan. And uh, the midfielders struggled a fair bit to get Premier League minutes this season only starting for Cherries twice this campaign, but the last time he was in the second tier for Blackburn, he was exquisite, I think you said both agree. Three goals, a 10 assists, and a campaign from midfield. And of course, he's only 29, and it feels very football manager-esque to be discussing whether he'll still be able to do it at his age. But um, with two seasons under his belt of fairly irregular football, do you believe he'll be up to the standard of a solid championship midfielder, Owen? Yeah, I think I think you say he started his career obviously um uh didn't obviously work out at Manchester United, but he's obviously he's come up the leagues and he's doing really well. But he's done really well up to obviously got himself a Premier League move. But yeah, like you said, been really, really stop start. Um only made twenty appearances last year in the in the Premier League and only eleven again this season. 
not many starting. So I think I think that the Fumara I keep trying to say that word, doesn't matter. Um, but I think playing back in the championship for, for a side for, for back playing for a top side in the championship could really help him. Yeah, certainly. So um but it, I feel like it came a bit of a surprise to me. I don't know about you, Chris, but the fact that Southampton are looking to sign a midfielder. They've got the likes of Shea Charles, Flynn Downs, Joe Rebo, Will Smallbone. I mean, I could go on for ages, the, the countless talent that I've got in the centre of the park. They've got so much depth in that uh, midfield area. Do we really need any more cover for um, that midfield slot? And will Rothwell really get minutes when that's his competition? I think he'll get minutes, um, but I think this is a move more about experience than anything else to that squad. Um, there's certainly some talented midfielders, but as well as talent, you need a leader in a midfield, in a midfielder more than anywhere, I'd say, really. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he'll get minutes at Southampton, and I think he can help spur them on as well in. Because, like I said, I think they will at least get the automatics. I think the style will fit him as well under Russell Martin. I think the style with Russell Martin is going to fit Rothwell very well. One thing I thought Lewis was going to say then was it was strange to see Southampton signing a player from Bournemouth, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah, that was weird. Yeah, yeah it's a bit of a, a strange one, but... Um, uh, you- do you believe, um, Owen, that is just for the experience that he has? Or do you believe he will be able to add some real quality? Because, of course, he showed that at Blackburn, but he's not exactly been ever-present in the Premier League for Bournemouth, has he? Yeah, I think, I think like you say, I think that experience as well as his quality will help massively. I think having having someone who's got that experience in the lower leagues and in the championship for a solid few years, because that championship uh, Southampton side is quite young. So to have someone with that little bit more experience, um, might not have as much experience in promotion, but have experience in their division to see out games, I think that really help uh, Blackburn. Blackburn? Is who you used to play for? Southampton um, uh, get get what they want, which obviously give be promotion this season back to the Premier League. I think one thing I've just seen uh, Southampton fans suggesting as well is that he's more competition to the number eight spot rather than a DM slot. Yeah. Um, that makes a bit more sense with the uh, the players that the Southampton have currently got in that position. Yeah, I mean, they, they were never going to... Again, we spoke about replacing players. One player they were never going to p- replace was Ward-Prowse. Um especially in the championship, you were never going to replace a player like Ward-Prowse. But in terms of the DM versus number eight argument for him, his attacking stats are way higher than his defensive stats. So yeah, I do agree with it being a number eight replacement as opposed to a DM replacement. Yeah, I think that certainly would make a lot more sense. Uh, attacking midfielder going the way of the Saints. Another attack, um, attacking player who's obviously got um, loads of interest in him at the minute is uh, Sunderland's left winger Jack Clark. I feel like it's a case of us mentioning him every week until he moves on, to be honest, because 13 goals and 27 appearances for Sunderland so far this season. I'll come to you first, Chris. Surely them sort of numbers in the Championship... 
just irreplaceable, right? Yeah, again, and like you said, we're talking about in most weeks, but deservedly so. Um, and another one, first off, are Sunderland going to have a squad left after this transfer window? Um, but again, going to be absolutely impossible to replace, more so than anyone. Um, and I think the West Ham were one of the teams suggested going in for him. And again, going from a championship club to a club like West Ham, English winger, might have some shoes to fill, sore subject for you again, because he might be expected to emulate Jared Bowen. Um, I know I know a lot of fans have compared him to Bowen. Uh, a lot of West Ham fans I've seen compare him to Bowen. So the expectation is there for him to sort of emulate what Bowen did. Whether he's capable of that, I'm not sure. I don't know what you think in regards to that. Um, I feel like he definitely is of Premier League quality, I feel like. And I know what you mean by um, sort of the similarities of Jared Bowen. Uh, Bowen, particularly in the Championship, was, you know, he's on the opposite side to Jack Clark. Clark's on the left. Bowen often utilised on the right. But you'd always see him cutting onto his favoured foot, just bending at top bins. And also the way that he's, I don't want to say that he's carrying Sunderland because I've got like Sir Joe Bellingham as well, who's, you know, also going to be um, uh, sparking up some heavy, heavy interest uh, from Premier League and European clubs. But at times it does seem like a bit of a one man show at the Stadium of Light. And when you look at the options that Sunderland have uh, on the bench and in squads, likes of Jewison Bennett and also Jack Diamond, the latter of which obviously going to take quite a lot of time to get any sort of match fitness back. So I'll come to you, Owen. Surely they'll have to spend big to replace him because there's very little in terms of squad depth in that left-wing position if he is to move out. Yeah, I think, like you say, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Clark leaves this summer. I, I, obviously, he's interest now, but I don't think he leaves until the end of the season, in my opinion. Um, I think, yeah, I said they'll get 15, 20 million, I believe, for, for, for Jack Clark. So I think they'll have the money to, to, to spend. I don't think they're going to get playoffs this year, Sunderland. So I think it's finding someone to, to sort of, you won't replace him wholesale, I don't think, but you need to find something maybe a little bit different to Clark to try and like, Maybe fit a little bit different to, to a different style. What style that that Michael Bill would want to play? Because um, I think Jack Clark will be hungry to get back into the Premiership. I think, especially after his failed spell at, at Tottenham Hotspur, I think obviously he didn't really get a chance there, but didn't really impress in any of his loan spells unless he, until he went to Sunderland. So I think uh, once once he can hopefully kick on next six months of the season, continue doing what he's doing. And uh, I think we'll see him at, like I say, a West Ham, um, maybe a Crystal Palace, somewhere like that, uh, come August. Yeah, um, so focusing on uh, the the needs to probably go out house and sign a new attacker, either on a loan or permanent. Are there any names that come to you, Chris, as a a good replacement? Not necessarily to the same quality as Jack Clark, because a player in the championship like that is irreplaceable. But maybe the likes of Morgan Whitaker from Plymouth, would that make sense him to go to Sunderland or are there any other uh, names that spring to mind for you? I I think if Clark goes, they're going to push for one signing, which they, he was linked, he was mentioned a bit at the start of a window. He's obviously going to be familiar to Sunderland fans. 
which was Diallo. Yeah, that's what I, I was about to say. I think if they're gonna, if Clark goes, they're gonna push to try get Diallo. I don't know if I don't know if United are keen on selling him permanently at all. I haven't actually ever seen anything about a permanent move for him. I've only ever seen loan moves for him, but I think with Diallo as well, there's got to come a point where this would be what his third or fourth loan spell from United. It'd be at least his third. Yeah, because um, he, he had one loan spell at Rangers, didn't he? One at Rangers, um, one at Sunderland at least. So I think there comes a point where you go out online so much for a club, but you've got to think, well, am I actually valued at this club and is it worth me staying? Yeah. I d- like I say, he hasn't really, he's maybe made a couple of appearances for for, for Manchester United in, in Europa Leagues and, and League Cups and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think he should should think about maybe going. He did make an appearance a couple of days ago, a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago against... Um, not an in Forest um, in late December, but yeah, I really think he should he should look to maybe leave. I think, it, like I say, Sun would be a brilliant place for him. It's shocking that he can't get a chance in that United team either. When you look at how dire the performances have played, dire is the only word I could use for some of those players. You look at what Anthony's doing. Uh, United, he's yeah. almost stealing a wage off them, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and the injuries they've had too. I'm surprised he's not been given an opportunity. So, well, he's, he's on the bench most of the time. Like, he's a good player. I, I really, really like him, and I, uh, it does seem like he's just wasting his career down at down at you know up at United. So, I don't think yeah. Lewis agreed with our Diallo. He just got up and walked out the roof. <laughs> uh, it, it was a mixture of that and also me uh, laptop being on 2% twitching <laughs> it wasn't ideal to just quickly rush across my room but... <laughs> um, but yeah I mean you look at what Anton has done at United Diallo should be given a chance ahead of him at this rate because that's a sign in that I think a club like United would just have to cut their losses with soon because he doesn't offer anything to a Premier League club and I think Stay obviously trying not to go too off topic with the Anthony topic uh, discussion, but I did actually see someone post a video about what championship club he'd get into the attack at, and none of them, not one club in the championship, they um, said he wouldn't take Anthony at any club in the championship. Understandable, to be honest. I think um, you do look at Anthony and Diallo. And even though Anthony's the one getting all the minutes, it's probably in his contract or something like that, yeah. and he's getting a certain amount of minutes. Well, of course, he's the one who came with the big transfer. But from what I've seen from yeah. both of them, the yellow's the one that's showed more promise. Yeah, it does seem like Anthony wants to do five hundred step overs before he takes on a player. I I think I've heard someone call him a Beyblade before, but like like I yeah. said, some of the stuff he's done, like him and him and. At least Richarlison can score, right? Because which I see those two sort of the same thing because they're like showboaters. Because mm-hmm. yeah, because they feel like showboating's more important than scoring or taking on the player. Like no, you're not playing FIFA Street. It's not here to score the best goal. You need to score goals for your team so they can get three points so you can go up the divisions or win the league or win the FA Cup. We, can, we like, can't really say it's not a case of who can score the best goal when we have a goal of a season award, though, to be fair, and goal of the month <laughs> awards. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's a, you don't get three points for it, though. 
So it's you, all you get a good, you'll get a good Instagram post for it, though. You got to think, think smart, <laughs> not hard. <laughs> oh, look at the TikTok followers I've got from this amazing goal. That's more Hello. important, making money. Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. But uh, moving on to one man that certainly doesn't have TikTok, uh, Tony Mowbray. Uh, was in yep. charge in Birmingham for that game uh, against Swansea, both sides of which have both got uh, new men in charge. Just starting on uh, Birmingham in particular, uh, Owen, how much of a yep. change of optimism do you believe there will be ringing around St Andrews in weeks to come with bringing Mowbray in? Of course, you know we're very well aware of your views on uh, Wayne Rooney. Uh, it left a bit of a sour taste for you when he came in. And yeah. This 12-week tenure, which... Went to pot, I think it's safe to say. Uh, yeah. Do you believe there's, there's reason for there to be more optimism for Birmingham now? Yeah, I think I, I think there should be more than optimism. I think it, it's a yeah. miracle they found someone that can actually manage. Um, it's a miracle they didn't go for someone else. A miracle Tom Brady didn't come in and manage himself. Um, yeah, I think they picked up someone someone in, uh, brilliant in Tony Mowbray. Um, who, in my opinion, shouldn't have got sacked by Sunderland. So good coup from them. Um, but yeah, I think I think great opportunity for them to him to steady the ship this season. Because um, you got to think what before Rooney came in, there were playoffs, and now they're in the, down to the, the deldrums of, of of relegation battles. But I, I think if he can steady the ship this year, he'll make some good signings, uh, good investments and signings in in January in uh, August, and I think they'll be one of the teams that I'll be tipping to. Maybe go for playoffs uh, next season, but yeah, I think good from good from uh, good good actual chart. Uh, now I'm just mincing my words. Good, um, good appointment from the uh, Birmingham board for once. Yeah, I've got to agree with that. I mean, you look at the shortlist; they've got the likes of uh, Tiger Woods and Steve Martin on there, so they've came away with the best possible solution there. Uh, going yeah. to uh, Swansea. I bet you're uh, dreading Tuesday night, though. Oh, I mean, thank God I'm not going. To be honest, who, the, what's, um, the, what's the what's the what's, what's the reward for it? Who'd you get? Um, what on uh, what the game tomorrow? Yeah, what's the, who'd you get full round if if you beat him? Who did we get? Uh you know what? I really should know that, shouldn't I? Uh, yeah. Less less away. That's who we get. Oh, you might as well lose then. It's one of them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you might as well lose. I don't think you're allowed to do that. Get a weekend that. off. Get a weekend off. So, anyway. yeah, there's a little bit of optimism there, but yeah, I, uh, I'm not going down to Birmingham tomorrow. I can't really. I mean, any any day you don't have to go to Birmingham is a good day. Um, yeah. I had to go over a weekend. It, it was dreadful. Unless it's Bourneville, then you can go. Um, then it's nice. Going back to what Owen just said about Birmingham promoted next season, I can't see it. I don't know. I like I, Tony Mowbray. Yeah, I, 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 I can see Mowbray. I can see Birmingham promoted next season. He said Birmingham see, push on for promotion next season. Yeah, I can see Tony Mowbray doing something though. I can. He's a good manager. I think I could see him doing it. Come, okay. Oh, if, if if next season comes around in like December and they're like rock bottom of the league. You clip this, uh, clip this and see. I tell, I dare whoever does this, clip this and and we will see. Come, come this time again next year. They'll, they'll, they'll be in the top ten. That's my prediction. They'll be in the top ten by uh, Christmas Day next year. 
Um, can we get a wrong sign for the podcast? <laughs> um, <laughs> just a buzzer like they have in X Factor. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh. I just... I, I also think, not taking any way, anything away from Mowbray, I think we're stuck in a sort of loop of the prim- teams coming down from the Premier League just going straight back up or going back up within two seasons. Yeah. Is uh, that a case of the parachute money? Um, that should stop. I, or is it stopping? Right. I had, so I had a discussion about parachute money yesterday. Um, I believe the way parachute money works is that it's split over three seasons, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If a team gets promoted within those three seasons, um, the money then goes back to and split among the 20 teams in the Premier League. I'm so it just sure means that's how the, it works. So it just so means we, that the Premier League clubs that. want them to come back up because it means they get more money. Typical. Um, my argument last night was... That that should not be what happens. We were we were obviously talking about Reading. Um, yeah, we were discussing that how the parachute payments need to change and things like that about teams going down need to change. The yeah, solution think... we came up with was that money, if a team gets promoted in those three seasons, that money should not be going to the Premier League. It should be going down to League One, League Two, maybe even National League. Yeah. To sort of stop situations like Reading and Bury and things like that happening again. Yeah, because like you say, the EFL power statement. I know, I know, it's the League One guys are going to be talking about it. Uh, what will be coming out? It's obviously, you can kind of watch it uh, once once you start watching this. Once you finish watching this podcast, but um, yeah, the, the statement they put out today was like shocking. Like, if you know, you know, he's not put money in the club. Just, just keep, just, just, just do it like it's a house. Repossess it. Just repossess it, because. But the pub, the only problem with that though would be that he also owns a stadium under a different company. Another reason why you're shady. So you need like change the the name of this or not change the name of the stadium, but sell the stadium to yourself. That's what he did, didn't he? He sold the stadium to himself. So, yeah, um, that I think that's a brilliant idea. I would sort of get rid of parachute payments as a whole, and that money goes down automatically to, to the lower tiers. Because um, I think, especially the clubs that go down in the Premier League, they don't need the money. I I I wouldn't get rid of them as a whole because we've seen how one relegation from Premier League can just decimate a club. One relegation from a Premier League, it can still happen in the Championship. We've seen it can still happen in the Championship. So yeah. it w- I would I would keep them, but restructure the way the money mm. gets issued around if a team goes back up. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, it's a problem with it though because, like I say, those parachute payments make them look like still like a Premier League club again, and and and, and the money they can spend. This is the problem with it. There's no real work solution. If you take away the payment, the payment parachute payments, clubs will really, really struggle. If you keep them, they might become too strong. You might have any chance for the sides trying to claw and fight their way to 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 uh, to get to the promised land of the Premier League. So it's just trying to find a medium, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. I think it is quite a big debate, the whole um, parachute payments thing, etc. But uh, moving back onto that uh, Bim-Swansea game, of course, uh, Swansea have also got a new man. And Williams came in from Notts County. He's taken the helm there. How beneficial, I'll come to you, Owen, how yeah. beneficial do you believe it could be for the club 
in the future? And do you see this one's a bit more of a, a long-term appointment for them? Oh, or oh, leave in the short term, you'll be able to push them up the table as well. Oh, 100%. I think I think both ways, really. I think I've rated Williams. I, I saw his brilliant success at Notts County and, and narrowly losing the league last season before going up in the playoffs and the start he, he made with uh, Notts County at the start of this season. And wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if he takes a couple of them. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think... Langstaff will probably be going there in the summer unless someone goes for him. I won't be I think the only way I think I heard this somewhere else. I don't know where I did hear this, but um, it might have been on the 606, but it might not be. Um, oh no, no, sorry, it was on the breakdown. It was on the breakdown on Thursday to our YouTube if you haven't. But um, if Langstaff uh gets an offer from a different club, that's when Swansea will go in from, I imagine. But I think, yeah, Williams has done a really, really good job uh, at Notts County, and I think he'll do the same here. He's a very shrewd in the transfer market. He, he's made some really, really good signings in Notts County, and um, like I say, Swansea will put. I think, I think they'll need a couple of years to to sort of to get themselves into gear. But yeah, but if they if they can uh, keep keep faith in Williams, I can see them pushing on in the next few years. Do you echo them thoughts, Chris? Do you believe it's going to be a highly beneficial appointment for the Swans or not? Yeah, I think he's one of the most promising managers in the EFL right now. So I I don't see anything going wrong with this appointment, but touch wood, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I think you, you look at there's some really, really good young managers in the EFL now. Two, two at the top of my head, Williams and, Keir- and McKenna, two brilliant top managers. Even I'm looking at people like, Liam Rosinia as well. Like he's got a long way to go in management, and and he's doing really well at the moment. And um, just just and Michael Carrick as well. I think he's done a, a, a solid job at, at Middlesbrough this season. Struggled a bit, but look at look at them. They're in a they're in a League Cup semi final, and they're going into the second leg one 0 up and having a lead, and could and could make their first final since since. I think it might have been 2008. Is that when they did it? Is that when they reached the FA Cup final and, and then won the League Cup? That might might be a little bit like earlier than that. But yeah, I think I think I think we've got three top top managers. Just a shame that it's not Rain Rooney. I mean, it's one of them kids I've got to say that it's not often that um, a former Manchester United player has came to management and been successful. But um, yeah. it seems like Michael Carrick's a bit of a anomaly, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think. I think I actually think it's because Michael Carrick spent time with South Alex. I think, even though, like I say, Paul Scholes and Raymond spent time with South Alex, but what I mean is, I think he he wanted. You could tell that um, Carrick probably knew after retirement he was going to go into the managerial game, um, and I think he learned of South Alex first, and also um, people like Wayne Rooney. Was Ray Rooney a coach at Manchester United? Am I right in saying he was as well, or was he not? I couldn't. I, I don't think. So. I don't think I don't, he did anything there. No. No. I was going to say because it might also be that he's had the time coaching at a Premier League club, um, and not having the pressure of being a manager straight away. Oh yeah, of course. Rooney was player manager at Derby because he was, like I said, he was thrown into the fire, wasn't he, Ray yeah. Rooney? So, um, but yeah, you look at you look at like look. Paul Scholes, I don't think he particularly wanted to go into management at first because he was only in Salford at the time. Um, um, I don't know. Sorry, I was just going to say last final for Middlesbrough was 2006 Sevilla Euro- uh, Europa League. 
They lost the four... final. Yeah, they lost four 0 to Sevilla. Did they go down that year? Am I the only person who remembers that? Yeah, mate, yeah. mate <laughs> when that when that final happened, I was a month old. Because so, I uh, don't think I can remember that. Obviously, you know, I've got this. Uh, if you if you watch on YouTube, I've got this luscious hairline here representing like a McDonald's sign. But Chris, how old do you think I am? Da, 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 da. I'm loving it. I'd say you're about 21, 22. I'm 20, so uh, yeah. you're, not, you're not far off there, uh, to be fair. I mean, yeah. no one's going to get mine, so. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I, th- I think it's safe to not go there in the first place. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm young, so I'm younger than everyone else. I'm literally. I'm 28, so. I'm 17. I'm not even old. I'm not even old enough to drink. 17? Yeah. I'm going to uni next year, so oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So, so I'm the youngling, but yeah, um, I mean, yeah, like I say, there's loads and loads of, like, like I say, I think Michael Carrick, I think, would be brilliant. Um, so yeah, this, like I said, there's some really good young managers who are English as well. Like, you look at Carrick, McKenna, even do you class Will still as English? Because he um... is. He holds yeah. British. He, he's British Belgian, isn't he? Just like Lando Norris. Um, random fact as well from that Europa League final. Yeah. Have a guess who won man of a match in that game. Was this Sevilla, yeah? Sevilla. 2006. Was it, John Ant- was it Jose Antonio Reyes? I'll give you a hint. They're a manager in the championship right now. Oh. Oh. I'm trying to think. Is he Spanish? Yep. Carlos Carvajal? He's not even a manager, is he? Is it, um, what's he called? The QPR lad? Nope. It was Enzo Maresca. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's brilliant. Fair enough. That's brilliant. Yeah, because didn't he start his career at West Brom? Uh, I can't remember where he started playing, but yeah, he scored in the final. Uh, oh. He scored two in the final, actually. Enzo, absolutely yeah. prolific. And Middlesbrough are two games away from being in the Conference League. That's mental now. Conference League? Yeah, if Middlesbrough... Oh, yeah. Two... Yeah, if they're oh, in the next it... two... The... Is that what happens if you win the League Cup, is it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's Conference, Conference League. League now. Yeah, it's... it replaced... It used to be Europa League qualifying now it's yeah. conference league playoff um because because usually it's top five who wins it so it usually goes down to seventh in the in the in the premier league but yeah i would love to see a middlesbrough winner it'd be brilliant i mean any championship side uh, getting to europe or any efl side full stop it's just just the prospect of that it's just thrilling. yeah because i'm trying to yeah, think i wouldn't care who it was even if it was yeah. like it was better alive i want to see it the last team I can remember championship playing in Europe is Birmingham. No, it was Wigan. 2013-14. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember both Birmingham and Wigan won their respective competitions whilst in the Premier League. I think Birmingham won the League Cup. Yeah, Cup Birmingham, beat, but... uh, Birmingham yeah. beat us because Wojciech, Chesney and Koscielny couldn't communicate. <laughs> oh, yeah, was that... um? Who scored the winner? Was it Martins, the uh, the youth play for Seattle Sounders as well? Yeah, Obafemi Martins. 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 Yeah, 
Another, I've never, another one. I never thought I'd hear a day someone said Oba Femi Martins and then tried to remember what other club they played for said Seattle. Yeah, I, know, I was about to say because <laughs> <laughs> it was like FIFA, right? I was about to say Seattle Sanders. Yeah. Seattle Sanders. Um, because I just remember Seattle Sanders because he used to have like Xbox as their logo, like yeah. that was their sponsor was Xbox. Um, but yeah, I think Wigan was was it McCarthy? He scored the winner. No, it's Ben Wilson. Watson. Ben Watson. Ben Watson scored the winner, and they were in the championship. I remember one of the teams in their group. I don't know why I, I remember it because it was like it must have been like a soccer special or someone was there on a Thursday night. So I remember them playing at home to Zolt Warrigan from Belgium. I just, remember, yeah. I just remember them playing there one time. But yeah, I would love to see a championship side back in Europe. That would be really fancy. It would wreak havoc though on the schedule. It would. Oh yeah, I feel like all of a sudden they'd have the um, it's called the su- Sunday chaos. Yeah, but also doesn't doesn't um don't they don't the championship usually schedule midweek fixtures for Champions League week at uh, oh European yeah. weeks? Yeah, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah. So that would just wreck up the schedules as well. Yeah, that would that would that would be a, a very very interesting campaign. That would be. But the thing is. I look at the Conference League and there's actually a chance some of the championship sides would go a decent way through it as well. Oh, yeah. Like, you put Middlesbrough in it and it, it's it's not like they're going to get knocked out of the groups. I think they could... Not I can see them away, making... I can see them really getting to the knockout rounds at least. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them because you look at the teams and there's teams like the Eastern European teams that are obviously they're the reason that the competition's been brought in because they wouldn't have a prayer of getting in the Europa League, let alone the Champions yeah. League. Well, you look at you look at this year. Um, I was I was reading into it. I was re- I was watching it, and that was there was a team from it was it was like the Faroe Islands. Faroe, yeah, I think it's yeah, Ki like, Classic. Uh, yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, there was a team from Iceland who came from the extra from the extra preliminary round or preliminary round of the Champions League have gone up to, to uh, played in Europe for the first ever time. I think it was Blood and Blick. We've really gone on a tangent, haven't we? Well, honestly, yeah. <laughs> it's for. Um, but yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, like I say, that's what that's what you would love to see. But um, we've gone from managers to talking about Iceland and Faroe Island teams. That's that. I yeah. yeah, I was I was trying to find out who was manager of Middlesbrough for that final. It was Steve McLaren. <laughs> Steve McLaren. Was this Wally was this Wally. just? Oh, was this just before Broly and Wally and Broly? Must have been. Uh, Must have been. Yeah, surely. Because you said 2006, right? Yeah. He must, have, he must have got the England job literally like near, near straight after because it was qualifying for the 2008 Euros, wasn't it? Yeah, Viduka was still playing. Uh, Mark, Mark Schwarzer Viduka. was in goal. Schwarzer. Um, who was who was that? Was it Brazilian or was playing with Middlesbrough? What's his name? Got his name. I can't think of a Brazilian at Middlesbrough. My, I don't know if it was maybe it might not be Brazilian, but there was this footballer that everyone loved at Middlesbrough. They won the League Cup. It might, it might have been a few years before that, but there was someone that, who when they won the League Cup. I can't think. Yeah, they they had Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Gareth Southgate was captain, Fabio Rockenback, Stuart Downing. Yeah, Rockenback's Brazilian. Uh, yeah, seven caps for Brazil. Might be Fabio Rockenback. 
yeah, I'm just double checking when they won the I will yeah. I just remember I just I just for some reason always remember them winning the league cup. Deriva. Oh um 2003-4 was when they won the league cup. Three, that was four. the season when that was the season when they made um the season when I think they made both uh both finals and um uh, made both finals uh the league cup and the FA Cup and then they still lost and they still got relegated that season, I believe. Juninho Paulista, could that be it? Yeah, Juninho. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. To be fair, I, I rate I rate the ball loads from you, and considering you weren't even live at this point. Yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm a I'm a, yeah. I'm, a I'm a football nerd. So I like not just football. Sorry, sporting nerd. I I'm a bit of a nerd to do with anything really sport related. So always seem to be like that. Nah, I think that's I respect that. Uh, I think we'll have to hop off. This tangent, unfortunately, I, I, we could go on about it for ages, but yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get on uh, back onto the fact that um, it's quite hotly contested at the foot of the championship table. All three sides in the relegation spots came away with defeat this weekend. In fact, all teams um, 18 from below uh, came away with a single point max, and yeah. it feels like the bottom half of the table is really starting to. Take shape, but do you believe that um, any of the bottom three, uh, Chris, are starting to show any signs of dragging themselves away from the pit of uncertainty, or is this a set in stone? Do you believe? Uh, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday were for some time. I, again, I don't like Owen said, Coventry must win game. Uh, their next game is Coventry, which is must win for well, both teams really. But I don't see Sheffield Wednesday coming out of that with anything really. So it's whether they face a blip and like I said about QPR, they got a few wins and then it just sort of seemed to go the same way. So it was just a distraction. Yeah. I think it was the, like you say, new manager bounce, wasn't it? I think that got them that couple of wins and then, yeah, they, they've sort of gone off again. I don't see any of the, the bottom three going up, uh, getting up above that bottom three. I think, I think that'd be set rest of the season. I was going to say, I don't think there was any danger of him um, making a late push for playoffs. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think I think that's set in stone. The bot, the, uh, the 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 last three, the bottom three. So, like I say, if if um, if Stevenage do 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 unfortunately miss out on playoffs this year or don't go up, at least we get a, a good away day to QPR if if it stays the way it is. So. Um, yeah, that, that'll yeah. be a, that'll be an interesting one, uh, certainly. But uh, looking just outside the player, uh, outside the relegation spot, sorry, one team that's in absolutely drastic form at the minute, Blackburn Rovers. Um, they've just not looked themselves at all in the last uh, few games. Just a one point in the last five games, and I believe the yeah. last win came in early December. Yeah. And how much of a concern is this for them? The in 18th place, there's still there's still a, fa- a fairly comfortable 10 point gap between them and Sheffield Wednesday, who uh, vacate that uh, mm. top relegation spot. But they've got to be looking over the shoulders at this point. Yeah, I think because, like I said, they've been relying so much on Smodax this year, haven't they? Yeah. And I think he might still be scoring a bit, but you can't rely on one player to constantly bring you out of danger every week. 
because um like an example people, people might think of you people like you know Jamie Reed for Stevenage but we have players around him that can score that's the reason why we're seventh and not 13th at the end of the day they need to they need to bring in some reinforcement generally I am really surprised they did not recall Jordan Rhodes they missed uh, Huddersfield missed for deadline wrong player my apologies <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same. Well, no, be honest. It's not much of a shot that Jordan to... Rose didn't get recalled by the then, is it? <laughs> I'm a nerd, but then also not. But it's the same thing with Huddersfield as well, though. So, to, to be fair, it starts being the blunt as me saying, uh, "Was it Fabio Capello?" I, I said Fabio Capello last week or a couple of weeks ago, which wasn't. Yeah, the, how uh, is uh, how is Fabio Capello working out for you at Hull? Oh, yeah, he's doing quite well, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is completely actually my fault. But they need to get a striker in because otherwise they're just going to really struggle. Yeah, that was sorry. But the thing is, Huddersfield are the same. Huddersfield are again, they're down there and they're struggling for goals. Yeah, yeah, maybe they should have maybe they should have recalled Jordan Rhodes because he's firing in League One at the moment. I don't know if it's because. Maybe Jordan Rose didn't want to go back, but at the end of the day, he's up there in League One. You needed to recall him, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, and of course, it's it was it's a case of the the parent club does have the final say. Of course, there's, there is that recall clause, and yeah. it was only uh, announced a few days back that Blackpool were gonna uh, keep a hold of him. And the fact the fact that there was a, a statement, a club statement, being like we've, we've kept hold of uh, Rhodes, it's like a new signing for them, and it just shows. The fact that I put a statement out it shows how many of them were expecting him to be recalled as well, yeah. if you know what I mean. So yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a bizarre one, but Huddersfield and uh Darren Moore, they've been down there for a fair bit. And I'll come to you, Chris. It do you believe it feels like it's only the pure I don't know how to put it not bluntly, the pure shiteness of the bottom three. Is that the only reason why Huddersfield still have a head above water at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you look at the goals scored, they're not even that far ahead, though, in terms of everything else. You look at the goals scored, they've conceded more than both Sheffield Wednesday and QPR, um, and they've only just scored more. Um, they scored 27 goals this season. Yeah. Wednesday have managed 21, QPR 22, and Rotherham 24. So... You look at yeah. that and it is a case of they're only just playing a bit worse than them. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, for like this year, that, that like it's where the top sides are so much, are so good, and the bottom sides are so bad and so shite that the sides that are meh or just not good but not as bad as the bottom three, like you look at Plymouth, for example, who are nestled in mid-table, right? Ish. The 19th. They've not won in five. They've not they've not won away from home all season. And no one's talking about them getting relegated. I think, yeah, but that, they're just that being met and it's and it's yeah. they've been pretty comfortable. I feel like um recent events uh would do certainly after uh touch on with Plymouth uh they just can't really seem to do it 
uh, away from home. I mean, nine stalemates in 27 games. They've been drawing more times than Leonardo da Vinci at this point. And at this point, they have to they turn them into, into wins. A lot of them draws have come away from home, I believe. I think um, yeah. certainly away at Hull, they end up getting a draw. And that was a game where they could have and probably should have won as well. But yeah. um, of course, there's a lot of chopping and changing going on at Plymouth. I'll come to you, Chris. Of course, uh, manager's gone. And then a few loanees have uh, been recalled as well, sent to other clubs. I mean, the, the loan signings are absolutely genius if you're in Plymouth's position. You know, I haven't got the most money in the league, but, you know, you've got a young and optimistic manager who people want to come and work under and parent clubs want to send their young players to. But now the manager's gone and now them loanees are gone. So where do they go now, Plymouth? Do they look for more loanees or do they just hold on and just pray they don't get sucked in? Uh, yeah, I think it's a case of loanees again. Uh, you know, it's January. A lot of clubs are going to be looking at how players have played in Premier League too and thinking, well, they, they can't be there anymore. Um, yeah. So... Um... I think Ian Foster also uses connections um, with uh, England. Uh, like you say, he was manager under 20 side um, only last year. Uh, like you say, they've just signed um, Ducko Giabi from Leeds and uh, he was part of the under 20 side who, who made the World Cup. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised that, yeah, if he uses maybe some of his connections with, uh, well, whilst he was England manager, to maybe get some low knees, that might be a, a, a good a good choice, obviously for him Foster. Just a couple of random things as well. There, there's some really mind blowing things to look at in the Championship table when you look at. Yeah. There's the fact that Sunderland have lost eleven games and sit seventh. There is the fact that Coventry are sixth with ten draws. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Huddersfield have drawn the same amount of games as they've lost. Yeah, it's like it's, it's a bit like League One as well, where like you see everyone like how many what how are they there with that many losses? It seems to be League Two have got a very strong league. League One of the Championships is quite weak, except for maybe the top the the top two. And the other one is. And this is what I was going to say when we started the subject of Blackburn was it seems like every week you look at the championship table and you look at a club and you think, how the hell have they got there? And Blackburn are that club. Even more so when you look at the fact that Blackburn have 10 wins and are 18th. They always win or lose. Yeah, they've got two this draws last, this season. This happened last year. Didn't they, didn't they not draw until like February last year? I'm not sure what how what happened like run wise yeah. there, but yeah, there, there does seem to be clubs who either lose a lot or draw a lot. Yeah, never win a lot though, unless you're Leicester or Ipswich or Southampton. At this rate. I mean, looking at how Leicester started this season, would you have said that in January they'd have lost four games? No. When in the was it the first fifteen? You were the only side that beat them, wasn't it, Lewis? Uh, yeah, and that was away from home as well. So yeah, home and we I think, 
I think a lot of what's happened at Leicester is that complacency might have creeped in a bit. Mm. And it's sort of similar. I think the similar things happened at Portsmouth as well in League One. Yeah. But the, they, they've got so far ahead at the top that they've sort of not really had to look over their shoulders anymore at the teams behind them. And yeah. now they're getting to that point where they've got to sort of look over their shoulders again now. Yeah. I think I it mean, was... Sorry, Chris. I was saying the same for Leighton Orient last year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually worry about Leeds because they're inconsistent. I think... Leicester don't have to worry any further down than Southampton. And I think Southampton are a bigger concern to Leicester than Ipswich. Yeah. Even though Ipswich have lost the least amount of games in the league. Yeah. Tied with middle. Tied with Middlesbrough. They draw a lot, don't they? Yeah. Seven draws, same as Southampton. Yeah. You look at Leicester, they've only drawn two. So. that one that one loss extra is what's keeping Southampton behind Ipswich. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I zoned out there. That's uh, very yeah. poor for me. That's awful. That uh, I was just uh, scrolling through, and uh, I think there's some uh, half breaking news that would be good to end the show on. Cardiff, Huddersfield, and Hull are all looking into doing a deal for Barnsley striker Devante Cole. 28 year old has scored 15 goals in 25 games in League One. Of course, please do, are... please so... do it before Saturday. Please, oh, you, oh, you got them. Don't we've, you, got, but... we've got Barnsley on Saturday. I'm a oh. Stevenage fan, if you don't know. So, um, match and vlogger that will be coming out on Saturday if the game goes ahead. That's hope it doesn't happen in the exact same way Cambridge did. That, yeah. yeah, um, but yeah, I think, I think, like I say, he's a brilliant striker, like an absolute top, top striker in, in League One. and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, like I say, I think he he's hungry. I think he's had a few years in League One where he's able to score a lot. I think I think a championship would be a right move for him. Do you believe he'd be able to make that step up to the league uh, to championship, Chris? Do you think he's got that quality? Of course, he's shown his goal scoring prowess in the third tier. But do you be able to, do, you, do you think he'll be able to replicate that? I think he can manage it. Yeah, um, he's a fantastic striker. It's not going to be cheap and. That was the next thing I was going to say, actually. Are Cardiff able to spend money? Because I thought they were under a transfer embargo. I think, I think um, am I right in saying Devante Cole's out of uh, contract in the summer? So, although it would be a fee uh, coming with it, uh, I don't think it'd be much. I can't imagine it even being seven figure, to be honest. If he's only got six months on his contract. Nah. At um, most, I would say, uh... at most, I'd probably say, like you say, s- s- less than seven figures. Yeah, I was. I'll probably say I'll probably I'll probably say mid mid to high. Okay, a uh, mid to high eight figure eight figure deal. Yeah, say eight k. Jesus. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, eight, yeah, mid to high six figures, like you said, right? Mid yeah, yeah, yeah. So about eight, eight, seven hundred, eight hundred. Yeah, I could see. I could see that probably happening. Yeah, just yeah. thank, 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 thank the Lord. It's not Jamie Reed. Oh, thank God. Is he out of contract soon as well, or you tied him? It'll be, it'll be out of contract. Everyone is. Stevens don't do like multi-year contracts. No. Everyone's, out, everyone's out of contract in in August, unless the Sunday does. <laughs> I think so. I think that we've not, we've not, I've not had anything to do with us signing multi-year deals. So, 
Yeah, walking a bit of a tightrope there. Like, although I, I imagine League yeah. One, you don't really have the financial stability to hand out two free year contracts. Well, especially if you're not a Portsmouth or Peterborough. True. Yeah. Or or anyone who's in or who's around us in the table. Basically, we're we're, we're operating like a League Two, non-League side, with everyone else operating like a Championship side. It's quite fun to like just see all the chaos that brings when we hopefully. It'd be absolute chaos if Steamage do go up this year. <laughs> imagine, imagine yeah. it old Steamage in the championship. We might we might get like five points all season, but when we win I a game, think, I don't think you'd care at that point, would you? No, if you no, we would get, we would just we would rattle everyone if we win a game. That would really be <laughs> just rattle them. Yeah, I don't believe you. Um, on that on that uh, I know I think we'll end things there. That's all for the Look Sports Media championship podcast make sure to check us out on all the socials instagram twitter tiktok uh, i think on the tiktok you'll see owen's match day vlog if that game ends up going ahead in the first place um yeah be a be a busy february as well with uh steve is playing i believe five home games um let's hope the floodlights work this time because uh, I think we've got rescheduled games against Reading and the Cambridge game. Obviously, got called off due to Friday failure. So, be a busy February on the uh, on the TikTok as well as you say clips from this podcast. Um, if you haven't watched the any of the rest, this is it's supposed to be Lewis, but like I say, there's <laughs> any clips from the TikTok as well. So, yeah, and of course, uh, League One, League Two, and National League podcasts will all be out. The same day this one's out. Uh, make sure you check them out. Um, but for now, we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.